Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a mother, wife, daughter, friend, and I'm also a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I have a private practice where I specialize in working with women, as well as having a specialty in maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing womanhood as well as motherhood and learning strategies to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So kick back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. Today, you're in for a really great treat. I interviewed Brandy Frazier. She's a mom, wife, sister, and a daughter that's originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, She has a new baby boy named Zachary that has changed her life. And Brandy and I have a candid conversation about pregnancy, labor, and delivery. Um, But the biggest takeaway from this convo that we had was some complications that she experienced 13 days after giving birth and how traumatic that experience was for her um, due to having postpartum preeclampsia, something that's not commonly discussed. Um, But definitely this is an important message that we discuss in this conversation today because it's about the mortality rate of African-American women, advocating for yourself when you have a doctor, really recognizing the symptoms that you experience and fighting to be seen because so easily we can be ignored. And due to this traumatic experience that Brandy had, um, she ended up creating Be Empowered Mama, which is an organization that provides educational resources and services for women throughout their pregnancy and postpartum. Brandy is an amazing woman. She's Atlanta. She's in Atlanta. And um, her and I really hit it off. And I was truly inspired from her story. I'm going to leave all of her information in the show notes as well as post it on our newsletter and on Instagram for you to be able to follow her. But sit back, have a listen, and please um, share your thoughts with me afterwards. Email me at Keisha at KeishaReeves.com. DM me at Push Through Mom or um, comment below whenever I post um, this on the Instagram page. All right, here's Brandy. All right, thank you everybody for joining for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I'm so excited to be joined by Brandy Frazier. Hi, Brandy. Hey, hey, hey now. Hi. (laughs) And this is another fellow Black mother who's here in Atlanta. I'm so excited to have you on the show and to talk about your entire experience of motherhood, especially since you are three months postpartum now. Um, But before we get into motherhood and everything that that is, are you originally from Georgia? No, 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 no. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. So Ooh. go LeBron James, Cleveland <laughs> Browns. I'm still a fan regardless. Okay? But yeah, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and I actually moved to Atlanta in 2016. So I've been here now for a little over four years, which has gone oh, wow. so fast, which is so crazy. But I'm loving ATL. I can't even lie. I love Atlanta. That's good. What brought you to Atlanta? Ah, well, um, a lot of stuff. Well, you know, the biggest thing I would say is my now husband. So I was dating my husband long distance. So he was in Atlanta. I was in Cleveland. But then I finished grad school, too. So my biggest thing was 
I'm going to go somewhere where a black professionals are thriving. Mm -hmm. That was number one. Yeah. The next thing was that I can do what I'm passionate about. One thing about me, if it's not anything involved or related to me being passionate about it, I'm not touching it, not doing it. Yeah. And I wanted to get into the corporate world of training and development, that whole piece. And I, I, I literally apply everywhere, Houston, DC. I'm like, where are we thriving at? Yeah. I did not do Atlanta until I met my husband. Mm. So I apply and I told him I was up front. I said, you know what? I'm going to apply, but if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't, you know, we're going to still have to work if I go to Houston. And he's like, wherever you apply, just go for it. We'll, we'll make it work. Nice. Look at how God works. <laughs> I applied in Atlanta. Literally, I signed my offer letter in March, wow. walked the stage in May, started work that Monday. It was crazy. Wow. I, I graduated May 9th and I started work May 11th. So I moved everything from Cleveland, sold my house literally all within this time, packed up my car, my now husband, we were dating at the time, we drove all the way from Cleveland down to Atlanta. Boom, I started work the next day. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. That's nice. Um, so, okay, so then you were born and raised in Cleveland mm -hmm. and you are one of how many siblings? Do you have siblings? Yes, I do. I have an older sister, younger brother. So I'm the middle child, but I'm really the oldest. You know how it works. Being in the middle, you really, that's just what it is. Love my sister to death. We're about eight years apart, but I'm the middle child. So yes, older sister, baby brother, and he's about a year and a half younger. Okay, gotcha. How do you feel like you got your idea of the mother that you wanted to be even before you came, became a mother. I ended up looking at more so my grandparents, my grandmother, mm -hmm. my great grandmother. Those were the matriarchs of our family. And before I even went to college, I ended up staying with my grandmother for about a year before I transitioned out. And that was the best decision ever. She was the strong one. She was literally, my grandmother was about, great grandmother, I'm sorry. She was about 85 when oh, wow. I went to college, 85. And when I say still thriving, <laughs> feisty, just, just the sense of education. And she was a school teacher in a Cleveland public school district forever. And one thing about her, she was the first one in our family who went to college. She went to Cleveland State University, mm. graduated magna cum laude, wow. killed it, right? And she would be the one, because I was always the high energy child, like da 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 da, -da. <laughs> And I would talk really fast. And she would stop me, slow down. And this is me at 17, though. I'm 17, like great grand, really? She said, stop, sit down, pronounce your words, <laughs> slow down and talk. Okay, now let's have a conversation, Brandy. And just as calm oh, as that. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, okay, great granny. So today, <laughs> like literally that. So literally, honestly, watching her and just how she honestly parented me, you know, to be her great granddaughter and how she treated me and my grandmother, they just expected so much out of me and I couldn't wait to make them proud. Mm. So that helped on that side, but the way they just loved on me, just really brought me in, spoke life into me. Those are big things for me. Those are huge. And I knew for a fact, when I became a mom, they have to feel this way because they yeah. ignited that confidence. They ignited the things of, okay, you know, with that, with, if anything ever went wrong, you know, you have us. That always felt good to know because throughout my life, I didn't have necessarily that. So I had to take it on myself mm. to say, all right, if I'm going to be successful, it's up to me. I have to do that. But they were kind of that safety net that was invisible that I really mm. didn't want to depend on, but it felt good to know that you were there. And I always knew when I became a mom, I wouldn't want them to feel that per se. I mm -hmm. want them to feel, to know, Mom is always there. Mom and dad, they're good. So that's kind of shaped on what I knew I wanted to be. I wanted to be that loving, caring, confident mother, but at the same time, making sure that they feel embraced and loved at mm -hmm. all times. And not have to worry about things that a child shouldn't have to think about. Like right. I did. Yeah. I love that. I think that's amazing because oftentimes, 
um, sometimes we don't always reach back into our ancestors or like traditions or the matriarchs within our family to think about how we want to be a mom. And sometimes like fortunately you had people that modeled good qualities for you, for you to be able to take from. Cause sometimes some people just have to wing it and figure it out for themselves. And it's like True. trial and error. Cause there's no dress rehearsal to parenting. We just get up each day and just figure it out and do the best that we can. Exactly. Um, but that's, that's really good. So when, when you got pregnant with Zachary, was that something that was planned or was it not planned, not prevented? <laughs> oh, oh, that was, it was totally planned to a T, Keisha, to a T for this baby, okay? Um, <laughs> it actually was planned for Zachary. We decided, we got married, so I got married back in 2018. So mm -hmm. we said, all right, I at least want a year to enjoy my husband, to just, you know, get used to being married and all of that. My husband was ready then, that day, as soon ah. as we got married. Let's make a, I said, wait, 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 no, 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 let's, let's, let's wait. So uh, I ended up getting off birth control when I got, when I, when we got married. So mm -hmm. that was it. I, I threw away the pill. I said, let's just go for it, Lord. We're going to just depend on you. But I'm going to try my best to plan it to a T while tracking ovulation and mm. those things. Yeah, so by the time we were getting ready, it still wasn't happening. So I was just like, okay, what is really going on? So I have PCOS. Mm. So with PCOS, as we all know, your periods are just all over the place. You don't know when exactly it's going to come. And you don't know when you're ovulating. You could be ovulating, but you might not get a cycle. It was so strange and weird. So I knew for a fact, late this was earlier in life, that when the time came, I was going to have to track it and I might need some help. Mm -hmm. So we ended up uh, seeing a fertility specialist. And a fertility specialist, was like, okay, we're going to check out and make sure everything is good with you within the inside. I mean, I did literally, Keisha, every test and blood work. I, they blew a couple veins on my mm. left arm. I'll never forget it. Wow. And I'm like, all this to get a baby? Mm -hmm. But I didn't care. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever. So they did all the thing. Everything was clear. No fibroids, polyps. They're like, fallopian tubes are open. We just got to make sure that you know when you're ovulating. That's it. I'm like, okay, that's a blessing right there. That's good. We started in November of last year. So November, it was the first cycle of them doing ultrasounds to making sure that, you know, you are ovulating in that. So I go in, they're like, okay, Mrs. Frazier, you are ovulating. All you got to do is baby dance on this day, this day, that day. I said, say less. We're going to do it. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up doing what they said. And I had to take a test on Thanksgiving last year. That was the day that was the two-week window. So I got up. I'm like, okay. Let's go ahead and just get ready to take this test. All right, I'm excited. I know I'm pregnant because I've been feeling weird. That's the first thing women right, say when right, they're trying. Right, right. Feeling weird. I took that test. It was a big, fat negative. Mm. Negative. And that crushed me because a little bit about me, I'm so goal-oriented and career-driven. And we're, we're so used to having control over things, right? Like, I know if I'm going to be successful, I got to do X, Y, and Z. I feel like I did everything. We did everything. Why didn't it work? That's what I started thinking mm -hmm. when that wasn't fair because people, couples take up to a year. Are you serious, Brandy? Yeah. After one time, you should be pregnant. But that was the pressure I put on myself. Mm -hmm. And I instantly regretted feeling that way. So my husband, he's he's so optimistic. He's the complete opposite. I'm optimistic, but he's so calm, cool, and collected. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, it's okay. We'll just go again next month. I'm crying. Mm -hmm. Like, why didn't it work? I'm just, I wanted my baby. I wanted to go into the... And I just literally felt peace. I took it to God. I prayed about it. And he said to me, in due time, I will make it happen. According to when I say, it's mm. not to when you say. And how ironically it worked, I was traveling for work every single week. Every week I would go teach at Kennesaw State. I teach there. And then for my business, I was on the road. So he knew not to have me sick and all that in between that yeah. time. Because I couldn't, I, in hindsight, you think back. 
So December came, same exact thing. I knew for a fact, I'm like, expectations are at zero. I'm not expecting it. My birthday's in January. I'm going to be able to have a glass of wine because it's not going to work. So we're good. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'll never forget this. I'm getting chills thinking about it. At 4 a.m. on Christmas Eve. So that was that two-week window wait. Four weeks on. Four, four, December 24th to be exact at 4 a.m. I had a dream. And my dream was I took two pregnancy tests and I was pregnant. And I woke up so happy at 4 a.m. But then I was like, wait a minute. That was a dream. I'm like, Lord, you wouldn't do this to me like that. That hurt. Like, I'm, I, I don't know. And something said, go take a test. So I got out of bed real slow. I rolled over. You know, you don't wake up your spouse. You roll and I roll like this. <laughs> over. I jump out the bed and I go take one of the 50 million pregnancy tests I have under the cabinet. Pull it out. I go in the bathroom, use it. And I go in my closet. So I'm in my closet. I put it down. I'm praying. And I'm like, I know it's negative, but you know, whatever. We'll see. As soon as I look down at the test, it was positive. Mm. I literally broke down in tears instantly, like crying, crying, crying. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And it was the earliest time. The line was so faint. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm taking another one on Christmas Day. Like, Merry Christmas. The next day, took one. It was super positive, And that's when we got pregnant. So wow. it was just on the second cycle. And it was so ironic. I was done with traveling for work because I, I traveled in Q4 every single week. Mm -hmm. By that time, I had slowed down. I was, I was just chilling and just enjoying my husband, enjoying being home. And that's what happened. That's amazing. So, okay, so to go back, um, you had got to not, did you already know that you had the diagnosis of PCOS or did you not find out until you were trying to conceive? Oh, no, I knew the diagnosis of PCOS. This was years ago. This was in my early 20s, okay. the doctor told me. In my early 20s, they, they told me I had PCOS because of their regular, you know, periods and that. However, what they did was put a Band-Aid over it and put me on birth control. So uh, the problem was never addressed. Right. It was... You know, you're still young. Don't yeah. worry about that until you're ready. And I was on the pill, you know, my all, all throughout college. And, you know, when I was working and then when I went back to grad school, I mean, it was the pill was the way of life. So I said, OK, I'll just stay on this. But I knew one day I was going to have to deal with it. And then I did. So then when you had to make the decision to go to a fertility specialist, how did that feel? Like at that moment, did you... Were you optimistic? Were you annoyed because you had to see a fertility specialist? Or what do you think your thoughts were at that time? You know what? I was a little bit of both because I talked to my OB about it before I even decided to go to a, a reproductive endocrinologist, right? Mm -hmm. So before I said that, I talked to my OB earlier in the year. She was more so that OB who was like, you know what? Take some metformin, which is what they put you on. Just, um, just go ahead and you know what? On day 12, 13, and 14, have sex. Okay. And then... If it doesn't work in like four months, then you call me. I, f I left feeling like, dang, um, uh, I'm a person. Give me some more information. You know, I'm like, th that's it? She's yeah. like, yeah. I'm like, so are we going to do anything, try to solve the PCOS or that? No, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll just go ahead and do that. And I said, okay. I, I, I was like, you know what? Her lack of information and her lack of just even caring about one of the most important moments I felt in my life right. was enough. I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm not even going to go to an OB. I'm going straight to that. So that's what sent me to the fertility specialist. I was annoyed with my OB gotcha. and OBGYN. And that's what said, you know what? I'm going straight to the experts. Why am I sitting here playing with you when right. you're telling me just take a couple pills and have sex on cycle day 12 through 14? Like, right. like, so that there, when I got to her, 
I would say I felt so optimistic. I felt excited. Mm-hmm. I felt nervous because mm-hmm. I'm like, what if it doesn't work? I felt uh, definitely a little scared that even though everything was clear, the fallopian tubes are clear, it was no problems that would stop me from getting pregnant. What if I had to do IVF or something? What if I was one of those women who who have to go through that? And yeah. that's so, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot on a woman. You know, yeah. I totally get it. And they were prepared for every step of the way, whatever way we're going to do, we're going to get you pregnant. So I was a little best of both worlds on that, but I was happy to be there because I knew I was in the best place. With my OBGYN, I was not. Yeah. But I love hearing that you were looking to the fertility specialist as something to give you more answers and something to be more positive about because oftentimes, well, first of all, I feel like people don't talk about PCOS as often as they should. And it has become very common and there's, it's almost like a spectrum of where people fall within it or how it affects them and their pro, um, being able to have a baby naturally or what type of assistance that they may have in doing so. But with that, sometimes some women get that diagnosis and will feel handicapped or feel incapable or even having like an OBGYN who is not someone who's informative or able to point them in the right direction. And they may not have the resources or the know-how to, okay, so this is what you can do, or these are some alternate steps to still get you to where you want to go. So that's good that you were able to pivot from one to go to the other and still be able to get what you needed or what you desired at the end of it all. That's helpful. And a lot of times with like medical professionals, sometimes they don't have great bedside manner and they don't, you know, take that time. And I always try to encourage women, like if they are not serving you, please find somebody else. Do not feel like they are the end all be all because they are, are not. (laughs) Especially for black women. Yes, especially for black women. (laughs) (laughs) But okay. So then you got pregnant, you got the news. So how, how was the nine months? How was the pregnancy? Ooh, so nine months started off amazing. Like, you know, this was pre-COVID. Okay, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm pregnant. I'm finally revealing it. You know, I did this whole cool, huge surprise for my husband. Aww. I mean, we cried. It was just so dope. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Told my best friends, family. Yeah, and then COVID shut down. <sighs> so by the time we got to that, I was like, whoa. I'm going to be robbed of all of the experiences that I've dreamed about. Like, you know, you work hard all your whole life and you know, when you get pregnant, you can't wait. I couldn't wait to go up North to have, you know, my family see me and rub on my belly and just to see me grow and all of the thing, cute things I thought I would be doing, you know, from a baby shower in person. I just had this whole production. I thought it was going to be, you know, so mm-hmm. that part there just kind of put a damper in things. But what we did was me and my husband, we, we, we switched it on a different perspective because he started working from home immediately. I had the luxury of, I was teaching at Kennesaw State, so I wasn't traveling anymore for my business side of things. So I was still home, but we switched everything to virtual. It's a blessing there. So we got to spend more time together. Mm, We got to literally spend every single day, okay? Even with these hormones going up and down, as they did, every single day together. And that helped out a lot throughout the pregnancy by knowing that I have someone here to be able to talk through some of these things. So having my husband there was great. Um, the nine months overall, I had a healthy, awesome pregnancy. That's like great. God is good. I, I, I literally <laughs> didn't have any crazy things happening. I was, 
I'm going to be honest with me. I stayed doing my research. I stayed being a hypochondriac at times on things because if I felt anything was off, I'm on the phone with the doctor. I'm mm. on the phone with the nurse because I just feel as though if, if I'm not literally advocating for myself, who will? Yeah. Because everything to them is, it's okay. Right. Relax. It's a part of pregnancy. Is it really though? Right. I'm a first time mom. So no, I need you to really explain it to me. So I feel as though I was a little bit extra when it came to everything, but it ended off paying, ended up paying off in the very end. Because if I wasn't so extra with some of right. the things that I did throughout those nine months, I could possibly not be here anymore. So as we talk about the postpartum piece, but yeah, overall pregnancy was dope. I mean, I got, mm-hmm. I got my bump. I mean, I was growing and glowing until we hit like that 38 nine, 38 nine weeks when you over it, you're yeah, over it, I'm dead. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I am But the nine months is dope. I say, I say for me, my experience was really good. Would I say my OBGYN experience was great? No, I would not. And that's no. a whole different question I can answer for you too, yeah. Wow, so this is the same OB that you had went to before you went to the endocrinologist? Yes, it was. And I'm going to be honest. I, I should have left. And she's showed me so many signs that I should have left, but I stayed. And I know a lot of women can relate to this. She was the first OBGYN that I, I, I saw in Atlanta when I moved. Uh-huh. So with her, I, for GYN care, she was awesome. I mean, think about it. Come in. You're really quick. Get in, get out. Yeah. I, don't need, I don't need you there for long. Right. And then you go on. OB side, she was not as great. I can remember I'm leaving out of my first appointment that confirmed pregnancy for her crying. Me and my husband, I'm mm. crying. I'm upset. And, and, and she's like, oh, it, oh, I just still get chills thinking about it. I felt rushed. I felt that very first appointment, you come in excited. I got, that's the first and last appointment my husband was able to come to prior to COVID. And we go in, we're we're like, okay, we can't wait to talk to her about stuff. She comes in like, congratulations, sweetie, you're pregnant. Yay. Um, So here's a booklet and she hands me this booklet. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. um, Yeah. And she was like, yeah, so you're about eight and a half, nine weeks. So that's good. So we'll see you monthly. And yeah, so don't eat, stay away from cat litter. Um, watch, watch your, your, your seafood intake and yeah. So we'll see you in four weeks. Huh? She's on autopilot. She, she's a machine. She, she's a, oh, a total machine. And she's not (laughs) one of the older doctors too. Usually you'll catch the ones who are older, who've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. She's not older at all. So she's a little closer to age. Like probably if I had to guess, I'm not sure late thirties, early forties. Mm. So, you know, a little better, like you're yeah. not too fresh out of med school to not know some of these things, yeah. you know, like bedside manner. So that, I remember that feeling. And I remember advocating for myself that day because as we were going to go check out, like, she's like, okay, I'll see you. And I just didn't feel good inside. I'm like, I know I, granted, I'm a first time mom, but it shouldn't feel like this. I should feel as ecstatic as I felt when I came in here mm-hmm. and better. Yeah. And I told my husband, and he's like, yeah, you know, and she's walking down the aisle way and she's coming towards, she's like, all right, see you next time. I said, I'm going to say something. He's like, you going to say something? I said, yeah, I'm going to say something. He's like, you sure you're going to say something? I said, yeah, I'm going to say something. And I said, excuse me. Um, she's like, oh yeah, what, what's going on? I said, to be honest with you, I felt really rushed. Good I did not you. like the way that, that, that interaction went with us. I had a ton of questions. My husband had questions. You didn't answer any of that. And I don't like how I'm feeling right mm. now. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. Let's go in this room here and I'll answer all your questions. So she takes us out of the checkout line to a private room right there. She, I'm sitting down. She's standing there with her arms crossed, like go with your questions. Uh. Like, oh. Okay, let's go. I pulled out my notepad and asked her every single question on that list. And I felt like 
she had an attitude. You get what I mean? Her yeah. whole, just, just her demeanor was, okay, let me answer this. I'll answer that. Let me answer this. And I still stayed with her. I don't know why I still, I do know why. Now that I think about it, just the whole point of finding someone new. Yeah. Just the, just the whole task of that. And she told me she would be the one to deliver my baby. The whole, we know now in the medical field, you'll get to see every single OB or midwife at that practice mm -hmm. and whoever's on call will deliver mm -hmm. your baby. Mm -hmm. She promised me because it's only three of them in the practice, she would deliver my baby. That was big for me. I wanted that person I seen from day one all yeah. the way until day nine, you know what I mean? Nine months of pregnancy. Why, why would it be some stranger to come deliver my baby? Right. So that was another reason why I stayed as I thought about it later. Like, why did her do me like this? This is how I roll. Like I would have left. Did she end up being the one to deliver Zachary? <laughs> no. No. It wasn't even her. She lied to me. No. Tisha, she lied. She looked me in my eyes and she told me even a month prior, I checked in again. I said, okay, just to confirm, it'll be you. She's like, yes, yes, it'll be me. The call goes oh, directly God. to the nurses and they call me directly, <laughs> you know, unless I'm out of town and I don't, I don't travel or go anywhere, Brandy, so you're good. I said, okay, great. No. She did not deliver my baby at all. And let me tell you, that was the best thing ever. Mm, mm. She did not deliver my baby. I, I, if she, ooh, if she would have delivered my baby, I don't think things would have went as great as it did um, for my labor and delivery. Yeah. Not at all. Because she tried to push me into a C-section. She mm. all right off top. This was before Zachary even, I even went into labor. I was 38 and a half weeks. And they did an ultrasound just to do check his weight. Because I was big. Zachary mm -hmm. was a big boy. So I was big, all belly. Belly was sitting on my knees, like almost. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's a big boy. All right, how about when you come back in in a couple of days? Let's go ahead and discuss the C-section option. Oh, you know, God. Uh, let's go ahead and discuss well, that. Well, how, how much did they estimate that he was weighing for her to just jump to that? When they when they measured him, they estimated him as seven and a half pounds. No, seven and a half. And pounds. already he, pushing for a C section at seven and a half. Both of my babies were like seven, around like seven pounds, five ounces. I mean, that's that's average. Thank you. And that's <laughs> what I thought, and and that's what I read. I'm like, yeah. Wait a minute, huh? So when she said that, and I asked her too. So one thing I think she kind of got over with me because throughout the pregnancy, I was on her toes. Like I was on her butt, okay, to be honest. I'm like, so since you know I have PCOS, why am I not taking the glucose test glucose test a little earlier? I shouldn't be waiting at 27, mm, 28 good for weeks. You. Well, I should take it at 19, 20 weeks. Why would you take it in 19, 20 weeks? I said, because my my I have a higher chance of yeah. getting gestational diabetes than any other pregnancy mm -hmm. or any other woman who doesn't have this. She's like, yeah, that could be true, but I would rather wait till then. I said, no, I want to take it now. Okay, fine, you'll take it now. So I took it and I was a couple points shy of having the, the marker because it's at 40. Mm -hmm. I was really, I was like a 36 or something. She's like, yeah, see, I told you. And I'm like, okay, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I know. 27 weeks rolled around. I said, yeah, we're going to do it again. She's like, okay, that's fine. Like, I felt like I was the OB for my own care yeah. throughout my pregnancy. And then when we got to that part of the 38 weeks and he was seven and a half pounds guesstimated, he was also face up. He was sunny side up. And you know, that pregnant, when you're delivering a sun sunny side up baby, I mean, that's going to take the life out of you to yeah. do it. Cause she's, she scared me. She's like, Oh, also since he's sunny side up, he's going to be a big boy. We should definitely look towards C-section and getting something maybe scheduled. I'm going to leave it up to you, sweetie. That's what I was always sweetie, sweetie. I'm going to leave it up to you, but he's, it's going to be a hard pregnancy. It's going to be back labor because he's sunny side up and it's hard to get that baby up and out over that tailbone since he is sunny side up. So I I'll let you think about it. 
um, okay. I come home and I get in the, I get in the car with my husband because he's gone to every appointment, just sits in the car. And I'm like, can you believe she told me that such and such? I have to get, I might have to get a C-section. She's like seven and a half pounds. He's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I'm doing it. Yeah. I told her no. So that was my doctor throughout my pregnancy. Yeah. Wow. Well, I will say we always learn through our experiences. Um, and at least like in you sharing your story, it can give other mothers like an idea of, okay, so these are the things that I have to look out for. Cause a lot of the times, like we don't know what we don't know. And right. it can be like one, one thing that can really lead us to stay in a situation that may not be the best, but at least like you were resourceful, you had the great support of your husband, at least like you were mindful as you were going through the experience versus some women who just put everything on the doctor and just trust them completely and don't look at any other options outside of that. So at least like, despite she had poor bedside manner and she was trying to push you towards a C-section, at least like you were still like aware of what your options were and you were educating yourself along the way. Absolutely. Oh, that was everything. If I hadn't done that, I really just don't know where I would be. Seriously. Like what you just said was a whole word and mouthful because a lot of times you do trust your OBs because that's what they're the subject matter yeah, experts. It's you, the know, you, you should, mm -hmm. we should, but a lot of times they, they're still human. They mm -hmm. still fall short. Yeah. And I, I can't afford for you to fall short because of because of your lack of bedside manner yeah. or it's so routine to you or you prefer because think about it OBs are really surgeons who deliver babies that's right. what they really are they're surgeons their 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 first thing is a quick I can go home I can get this baby out by 2 p.m be home by five o'clock having dinner with my family so when they say the cesarean piece that's what they're thinking it's so routine only time they get excited is when there is complications mm -hmm. one thing I did feel is though because I had a normal pregnancy it wasn't anything crazy they're kind of like just go about it no you need to still have that same level of excitement yeah. that I have as your patient and being pregnant that's not asking too much every yeah. time you see me once a month Right. So I do agree with doing the research. And to be honest, it happened for a reason, because I, if it wasn't her acting the way she acted, who knows what type of research I would have done. Yeah. I could have been just so dependent upon her mm -hmm. and just said, all right, you know, my OB has me. It was the lack thereof that forced me in to say, no, I'm reading. I'm doing research. I'm coming in there with facts. And one thing she starts saying about me, oh, yeah, Brandy, I know you like the facts. Uh, like she yeah. told me, what she uh, say? Don't, we said, all should. Right. Okay, let me get that print off you just had. I already seen the results online, but I'm going to ask you about it. And she's like, uh, okay. And we would have that dialogue where it was kind of like, it was. It got a little spicy at times because I just wasn't going to settle for anything for her just to give me half answers. You need to really fully tell me. And I don't know what you were used to, but you're going to do this for me. And that's when she started to treat me. These doctors will treat you how you expect to be treated. Right, if you right. honestly voice your opinion, voice how you feel, tell them what you know. It's a whole certain level of, I already feel with the medical field anyway, coming in as a black woman, that the stereotype that they have. Yeah. It's very true. I always feel, and I hate that, that I have to slide my credentials across the table. I have to go in there and I have to be on. Yeah. Why do I have to be on so hard mm -hmm. just during an experience that I'm most vulnerable. Right. I should be able to relax, yeah. but I couldn't. 
I had to slide them across. Oh yeah, with this and that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm married, and we have this and that. What, what do you think? You're like they treat us so differently mm-hmm. based upon their assumptions and what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. So as a black woman, I'm like, no, I'm gonna represent for all of us. What you gonna do is talk to me about this. <laughs> yes. What you gonna do is tell us this. So who never, who knows who came behind me that day? You might have been a little bit nicer, or you might explain something a little bit more just because of the precedent I set that morning for you. Right. So. Right. So for anybody that's listening to this, that's pregnant, side note, always feel like you have the power to switch your provider at any time during your pregnancy. If they do anything that you don't like, if you ever feel uncomfortable, any time along the way, you can be able to switch and get someone else. And I know that it can appear to be an inconvenience and you've gotten comfortable with someone. However... You can also have the confidence of feeling like this person is doing what your birth plan is or they're listening to you and what you want and what you need. And that in the end can be more valuable to you. And fortunately, like we said, Brandy is someone who was educating herself, challenging her doctor. Um, But for somebody else, you know, don't feel like you have to stay stuck and don't feel like you don't you can't challenge your doctor Mm -hmm. or or they can dismiss you or you don't have the space to ask questions. You can always call and speak to the nurse. You can always call back. You can always like demand to have more time to ask any questions, do any type of research that you need. And then even so, I know that we live in the time of the pandemic and, you know, who knows when whatever happens will happen. But if you have a partner, being able to educate them on what you want the plan to be as well or what you desire so that they can advocate for you. So when you're in the hospital and you're delivering and you're in pain and you may not be able to verbalize it, you have that person that's right there that can say, no, this is what she wants or no, this is not you know, in character for her. Because some women will hire a doula, but right now doulas can't come into the hospital. It's nope. just you and your partner. And so you have to make sure you let them know the seriousness of all of this so that they can fight for what you need and what you want and not be just dismissed. (laughs) So that's just a side note. Okay. So how did delivery go? Oh gosh. And oh, just a piggyback. That was a great transition into that part. Yes. The advocacy piece and your partner, dads, the days are over where you just go hold a hand or hold a leg. That is, that or is sit in the lobby. No, I need you in the room. <laughs> yes. I need you there front and center and present though. Present. It's a whole yeah. difference between standing off to the side. Yes. So labor and delivery piece, it went Amazing. So just to give a great example and how anyone listening to this to make sure that your partner is educated and they are, my husband called himself Daddy Doula. Okay. That's his nickname now. Daddy Doula. He takes pride in it. Okay. He was doing his research on YouTube. He was sending me videos throughout the pregnancy. I'm like, how'd you because did you know you can push like this? How'd you you find that at? He's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Doing my daddy doula. And he'll go back in his man cave with stuff because he had a goal. If I had him right now here, he would say his goal was two things get me out and get his baby out healthy that's Mm. all he wanted he said that's all i'm here to do so he was more serious throughout labor i'm the one going through this was the key thing throughout it i got to seven centimeters i wanted a natural birth i was that mom who's like i'm gonna push this baby out (laughs) yeah i got to seven centimeters with that back labor in front (laughs) me and my husband we created this is how we went in there as a game changer let me rewind back we had our birth plan already out to a T. He had he had his job. 
baby's backpack, his backpack, birth plan, all of those things. Make sure that your partner, whoever it is, is delegated out tasks. They need tasks to be able to do. As a mom, we cannot take all that on. It is very unfair. So he had a whole list of things to do. We get into the hospital and they're, you know, getting me all checked in, strapping up my stomach and checking the heart rate. And they were like, did you guys have a birth plan? I guess they assumed that maybe we didn't. I don't know why they did. He was like, oh, yes, we do. I told him to print out just two copies. This man had 10. <laughs> My husband is literally handing out, here's one for you. Uh, here's the paper for you. Here's the birth plan for you. Hey, when's the doctor coming in? Because I got one for her. Oh, okay. I'll set it right here. He had 10 copies of the birth plan. Later, I asked him, I said, why'd you print 10? He's like, I don't know. I just want to make sure we had them. I said, okay. <laughs> and we went line for line. And he knew every single thing on that birth plan. We had multiple conversations prior into going into labor on what I expected. And I didn't know what to expect. But what I knew was I needed him to be there. Mm. He said, say less. It's already going to be done. We get to the whole point of when I did get to the seven centimeters, we had our code word. One thing about it, have your lingo with your partner. Mm. My code words was once I said it three times, that mean I mean business. Get this epidural going. Don't anything else is me just talking from pain. If I say this, this is true. I gave him the code word at three. He's talking to the nurse. Hey, get the anesthesiologist here now. She mm -hmm. needs it now, 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 now. So I uh, ended up getting the epidural. Life was great. <laughs> I felt so good. I made it to seven. I said, let's go. Let's keep it going. They broke my water at 3 a.m. I'll never forget that. And they were like, okay, everything looks clear and good to go. Get some rest. Get some rest, Brandy. You need rest. My husband, get some rest. He's sitting there looking at her like, yeah, I'm not getting no rest. I'm staying out watching my wife. Like, no. Okay, get out. They bring him warm blankets. And he's like, yeah, okay. I look over. He's throwing them down. And he's just sitting up watching things, looking at the monitor. I'm like, honey, get some rest. You don't need to just sit up and be on call. He said, I got to protect y'all. Okay. So I went to sleep. We wake up, the shifts change, and we haven't met our doctor yet. So remember, we had different ones on call. How my doctor lied to me. Mm. I said, where's my doctor? Uh, well, yeah, she won't be in. You know, we tried to contact her. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a doctor that's on call. That's, how, that's the response we got. This epidural, believe it or not, had me just definitely woozy. I am usually just on and that. I was so sleepy and just like, everything's good. Oh. I was laying on my side. I was like, ah. And 10 a.m. came around. We have not met the doctor yet. No one's checked me since 4 a.m., okay? And I'm on my side and I'm letting, I have the peanut ball in between my legs helping me labor down. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, no one has come. So my husband asked the L&D nurse, he said, hey, when is the doctor going to come introduce herself who's going to deliver my son? And she said, well, she's doing a cesarean now. He said, she was supposed to be here at 7, it's 10.30. Okay, we'll give her five more minutes. 11 a.m. rolls around, the doctor comes in. Now my husband's pissed. He's the total opposite of me. He's so calm, cool, and collected. To get him to that level, he's mad now. Yeah. And he's like, listen, listen, nurse, I'm still on my side like this, laying there like, I guess it's okay. <laughs> and I'm not me, though. Yeah. You're not you during yeah. labor and delivery. You're, not. You're yeah. not you. And that is not Brandy. And I look up at him, and he said, don't worry, babe, I got this. So she comes back in, and she says, how's everything going, mama? He said, she's fine, but she needs to be checked. Well, the doctor, he said, listen, listen, no, no, no. It's not going to be any more of that. You're a nurse. You check her. She was like, me check her? Okay. I mean, I could check her, but we could wait. He was like, no, you check her. Please check my wife. She has not been checked since 3 a.m. Like, and the doctor hasn't here. It's 11 a.m. We don't know what's going on. She said, okay, I'll check her. She go grabs her glove. Where were? I'm sorry. I'm like, where were? Why wouldn't the nurse check your cervix? The nurse wouldn't check your cervix? Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. if anything, mm -hmm. in my like, experience, 
the nurses do all the work until it's time to push and then the doctor shows up and it's like okay it's go time but other than that the nurse the nurse is all in your vagina Yes, thank you. <laughs> cool hand. Uh, yeah, if they could. Yeah. Okay, just to check it. She didn't want to keep doing it. She's like, you know, we want to wait for the doctor to do it. So finally, when he said that, she's like, okay. So she goes, puts on her little gloves. She removes the peanut ball. She's like, I'm pretty sure you know nothing much has happened. Keep in mind, my contractions are off the paper. Like they're that strong where they're off the paper and the line comes back down every two minutes. So she goes in. She's like, all right, let's just see. Oh, oh. Uh, okay. She gets about two her first two fingers about halfway in. My baby's head is sitting mm, right there. Mm, mm, All this time, mm. my baby has been sitting in the birth canal right here and no one's checked me. Who knows how long Zachary was sitting mm. there? And she's like, oh, hey there, little head. My oh husband's eyes God. get huge. Now I'm snapping into it. I'm like, mm, I lift my head up like this. Mm, what's going on? She's like, Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and call the doctor and all that. He says, so you mean to tell me his head is inside of there, right there? She's like, yeah, I'll be right back. Snaps that glove off, runs out the room. Here comes this doctor. Two minutes later, Keisha, just two minutes. All this time we've been requesting our doctor. Two minutes later, she rolls in. And she's a midwife, though. She's a midwife. Mm-hmm. That's who's delivering now, a midwife. My plan was never to have a midwife. I wanted to OB for some reason in my head. Whew, I bet you'll have a midwife from now on. During the labor piece, she comes in and she's like, hey, how's it going? All laid back. My husband's like, nice to finally meet you. (laughs) I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. And I'm like, I'm good. Epidural is wearing off because I can move my legs and I can Mm. feel my legs now. So it's it's wearing off. I've had the epidural since, what, 3, 4 a.m.? And it's now 1130, like around that time. She said, okay, well, let me go ahead and check you. So she goes in and she said, okay, the head is right here. You have a little bit of cervix. She stretched it out. She's like, okay, you're, you're, you're fully dilated too. Let's look, just a couple practice pushes. You know, your first time mom It's probably going to take a while. Just setting the expectation. She's like, okay, turn on your back for me. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I'm back now. Now I'm brandy. I said, no, I don't want to push on my back. She said, what do, well, what do you mean? You have an epidural. You, you can't. I said, I want to push on my side. She's like, push on your side. Okay. If you can get your leg over, we can try it. But I said, okay. I turn, I'm like, turn me over, husband. <laughs> so my husband, Marcus, he grabs me. He flips me over on my side. I'm laying on my right hip. My left leg is around his neck at the top. Mm. And the LND nurse has my right knee that's flat pulled in. Start pushing. She tells me how to push. I'm listening to what she said, but all that research paid off because I start pushing. Moms, you push like you're pooping. That yeah. is the biggest thing. Yeah. Like you're having the biggest ball movement of your life. Start pushing Zachary on down. She was very surprised at how well I was pushing. She's mm. like, oh, okay, do that again. And she had me do it again like three more times. I start pushing at 1148. Pushed Zachary out by 12.18, 20 minutes exactly. Mm. Got that baby out um, in 11, 11 contractions exactly. Nice. And once I pushed on my side, she's in there working her way, helping me get him down, like pushing, pushing. And she said, we can have a baby in three more pushes. Do you want that? I said, yes. During this time, Keisha, we're laughing. We're talking about her boy. She's raised four boys. We're talking about all of this. The L&D nurse is like, I've never met anybody laughing and talking during labor and delivery. I'm laughing and talking as I'm pushing them out. And they're like, wait, this is weird. They're like, heads out. He's facing straight up. My husband's like, oh, there he is. There he is. I can see him. I can see him. Head full of hair, face, everything. And they're like, do you want a mirror? Uh, No, come on, lady. I'm feeling the pressure now. Let's go. Let's let's, stop talking to me now. I don't want to talk. I finally do that last push and she has me turn. She's like, I need you just to turn over on your back so I can be able to pull him out. For that last two pushes, I flipped over on my back for her to grab his shoulders and pull him out the rest of the way. So 
then with him coming on out, I looked down and I seen this huge baby. So remember, they thought he was seven pounds and a half, seven and a half pounds. He turned out to be eight pounds, 10 ounces. I pushed this baby out 21 inches long. Wow. No tearing. No tearing. No tearing, Keisha. The side pushing is key. Okay. Wow. Push that big baby out. And, and that was that. And it was, it was an amazing labor and delivery experience. Like I thought to myself, whoa, my doctor, my OB told me for a fact, it's going to be hard. It's going to be strenuous. You're going to probably labor for three hours. It's going to take about three hours, the average time. This is what my OB told me. Mm -hmm. And I ended up pushing my baby out in 20 minutes, no C-section needed. Oh, and I asked her about tearing. I said, is there anything I can do to try to avoid tearing? Because that was my biggest fear during yeah. labor. And my OB said, no, you can look Google stuff online. I know people put oils down there, but you're a first time mom. You're going to tear. That's just mm -hmm. what it is. And I was like, oh, okay. And then look what happened. I pushed him out wow. and she didn't even offer me different positions. She didn't say anything. She said, you're going to tear. I just want to set the expectation that you're going to tear. I didn't tear at all. Mm. Crazy. Mm. So my experience was so liberating. I would say this, giving birth to him was by far my biggest accomplishment. Mm. The, the greatest thing that I've done in all of my years so far. Mm. It was so amazing. Oh, That is awesome. I'm glad at least at the end of it all, you had the midwife. You got to give birth in the position that you wanted to it, there was no c-section he came out healthy and then after you went home what happened uh so on my cloud get home about 13 days after so zachary was about 13 days old i i had i had a headache the day before and it was right on my my right side behind my eye it was like an annoying little throbbing sensation and i'm like i know what it's from we're not sleeping you don't sleep with a newborn i'm like i'm tired i don't get headaches and i said oh i know i'm exhausted the next morning it was still there and i'm like mm, let me go check take my blood pressure so throughout my program, I told you I was a little bit extra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beginning of my second trimester, I bought my own high blood pressure machine and I checked my blood pressure once a week because I know how real um, high blood pressure is, preeclampsia, all of that is, especially for African-Americans. We get it a lot faster than Caucasians, mm -hmm. like well, any other people. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure I stayed on top of that. And the craziest part is I just didn't trust my doctor to be on top of it like mm. she should. That's why when you say if you don't feel comfortable with your doctor, try to do it immediately. Do yeah. not wait it out. I would so tell anybody that. Do not wait. Do your research. Go from OB to OB if you need to. Bounce yeah. around until you feel comfortable. But I, I didn't feel comfortable, so I took it into my own hands. So I pulled out my high blood pressure medicine. I said, eh, let's just go ahead and check it and see. I, I don't know. Checked it. <laughs> it was definitely high. It was like 163 over like 99. Mm. Something crazy that's not my blood pressure. So I called the doctor's office immediately. They said, you know what? Come on in. I said, oh, the last thing you want to do is be ripped away from your newborn baby. My pelvis is killing me mm. because I'm still healing, bleeding like crazy still. And just the, the idea of putting on clothes yeah. sucked. I didn't want to, but I, I got to go. So I was like, let's just go. You know, you can see about it. I go, go in and here's the crazy part. They have me, you know, they have you pee in a cup so they get a sample of your urine. And I go and see the doctor, the certified nurse assistant. She takes my blood pressure and she's like, oh, your blood pressure is normal. Hmm. Well, that's strange. Okay, I just took it this morning. It wasn't, but okay. So my doctor comes in. She's like, yeah, you know, they just said your blood pressure was normal. And um, yeah, and I'm waiting for the results to see about your urine, but you're probably fine. You know, you're probably just, you know, dehydrated in that. And I, I, and I finally said something. I said, you know what? I said, Dr. X, I said, you know, 
I believe that they're not taking blood pressure properly here. She's like, what? What do you mean? Like, no, they, they took it manually. They did the manual way. I said, no. She said my blood pressure was 120 over 72. My blood pressure has never been that my entire life. Like, how could it be 120 over 72? And she was like, how about I take it? I said, thank you. Can you take it? She said, sure. She put the cuff on me with an attitude. Let's keep that in mm, mind. She mm, put it on me mm. and she takes my blood pressure because she knows that I'm wrong. She knows that it's not high. She knows my, my, my nurse assistant did it. She does it. She literally looks at me, pulls her mask down, and she said, you're absolutely right. It's in the 160s. I said, I told you. <laughs> and she, so she get the results from my urine sample. It's protein in my urine. Mm. Preeclampsia. You have postpartum preeclampsia. That's what it is. Y'all are about to send me home because yeah. you said that she did it correctly. When I told you, I just took it that morning. Mm. There was not, no way, no way. And she took it and she had an attitude. So when the moment she found out that it was high and indeed what I said it was, she's like, okay, um, I'm going to need you to get to Northside right now. I want you to go straight to Northside. Do not go home. Go straight to Northside. I'll be there actually around 3 p.m. Let's get you admitted because we're going to go ahead and start you on magnesium. Um, I'm happy you came in. And this is the most, I would say, empathetic and most best manner I've gotten from her. You came in because if you didn't, you would have had a seizure or stroke over the weekend. Oh, my goodness. So I, I'm grateful that you did. And she said, get to Northside now, though. Don't go home. I said, Oh, I said, is there, and this is me. This is so crazy. When you know you're still out of it. I'm thinking, I got to leave my baby. I'm yeah. not even caring about how I'm feeling. I'm, I, I, my baby's at home. I, I, she's like, I, I, go, just go. I go to Northside and I, I check in there and they take my blood pressure. It's even higher. Mm. It's gone up. Granted, I'm stressed now yeah. too. Yeah. And, the, you know, the postpartum preeclampsia is there. And immediately they hooked me. They're, they're, they're drawing blood. They blew my veins. Northside blew three of my veins. Oh, three of them. I'll never forget that. And they had to call in the IV specialist because they couldn't find my veins. They couldn't do it. And they, they started me on that. They put me on a magnesium drip and it gave me instant blood pressure medication because I would have had a stroke. My blood pressure has shot up to 180. It was getting higher. And they're like, we need to get this down immediately, sweetie. So just sit back and I need you to relax. We're going to give you two different types of medicine. They tried one. They tried another one. They put a third one in. Then it started to come down, but it's still set in the high, the high 160s. And that still wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. But they want, it wasn't in a 180 stroke where they were going that way. So I'm sitting there. They give me the magnesium drip. My feet are so swollen and hurt. They have to help me to go to the bathroom because I can't still walk. My pelvis is killing me. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was a big boy. I didn't tear but my pelvis was through, okay? Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? My husband, he's coming there. He's the only person who can come there. They're like, you can bring your baby. Think I'm bringing my baby in this COVID hospital? I no. <laughs> like, no. So I'm there and he needs to go home because my mother-in-law was in town helping us out with the baby, thank God. And he goes home to relieve her because she's 70. She doesn't know what to do. He's screaming his head off. This mm. baby misses his mama, yeah. you know? I'm getting teary thinking about it. This baby misses his mama. You know what I mean? And I can't be there. And then they have me on this medicine. That headache that I had went all across my forehead. My head was throbbing so bad. I'm begging them, please help me because this magnesium is intensifying it. And I have to do a magnesium drip for 24 hours for them to bring down the levels of the stroke, mm -hmm. of that stroke or seizure that I could have had. They start giving me Percocets. I've never taken anything like this in my life. Percocets aren't working. They're like, we're going to give you another one. So they're loading on Percocets. Only relief I feel is to have a cold ice pack on my head and I'm just looking around and they're trying to talk to me. I'm like, what are we talking about? My doctor has yet to even come in. She said mm. she will be there at three. She didn't come until 2 a.m. I had been there since noon. Mm. She comes at 2 a.m. Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm like, 
help me. Like, I'm like, help me. That was the words I said. She was like, I told you the magnesium is going to suck. Okay, we can get you some more Percocets, but you need to just sleep. You need to just sleep. That's the only thing that's going to help. Do you not understand? I can't sleep. I'm in so much pain. My head is hurting me. My body is hurting. I can't sleep. She's like, well, that's the only thing you can do, sweetie. You're going to have to just sleep and let it run its course. Run its course? Right. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just start bawling. I'm bawling. So she leaves. I'm, I'm like, I'm done talking to her. I'm bawling. And by that time, the next morning comes. I'm still not feeling well. They still have to come help me out the bed to go use the restroom. And then they're tracking that. And then they sit me back down. They're like, okay, sweetheart, you only have about seven more hours of it. I mean, this is the next day. And you should start feeling a little better. I did not feel any better. I, I felt, honestly, the headache was still moving all around my head. And I'm like, what's up with the headache? It was like, that's a part of the preeclampsia. Some people get the bad headaches along with it and you got it. So we're sorry. There's nothing else we can do. You're going to have to just let it run its course. I said, if I hear run its course one more time, mm. I'm going to flip out in here. So I ended up being admitted for three days mm. away from my baby, away from my husband. Well, he was coming in and out as much as he could. And it was the worst three days of my life. Mm. I would have 15 kids to not experience that part again. Mm. And to know that if I hadn't taken my blood pressure that morning, what could have happened over the weekend? Yeah. That, 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 that or even me. like pressed your doctor to take your blood pressure because they was about to send you home. Send me home. That you were fine. You're fine. My, my nurse assistant, you know, the people who check you in before yes. took it. They don't know how to properly check blood pressures. I would want all mamas to literally, like, you have to have a blood pressure machine. You have to run it, run, check, just, I hate we have to double check, but that double check there is what saved yeah. my life. Because yeah. I don't know what could have happened. And she said, oh, you know, and you, you would have had a seizure or stroke over the weekend. I'm so, I'm thankful that you're here. Get to the hospital now, though, because, yeah, you need to get out of this office mm. and get there. And that that there, when I finally did leave, I ended up leaving with blood pressure medication. So I am still on to this mm. day and I'm at three months blood pressure medication, two different types, because I'm st we're still waiting for those hormones to come down. And what ignites that you just don't yeah. know, because keep in mind, I had the healthiest pregnancy. There's nothing that you can do to avoid this. And that's what I thought. I was like, did I do something wrong? Did I eat something? Did I mm -hmm. not watch something? But I know I did everything I was supposed to. And it just still came and got me. And I, that's what I feel like it got me. Like it snatched me up. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're going to do this. And I, I thought I was fine once I got home. I just cuddled my baby. He hadn't really slept. And when he got in my arms, he just melted. He mm -hmm. wanted his mama, you know, and that made me feel so good. But then I found myself three, four days later, just sad granted you you already got the hormones of postpartum yeah. affecting you coming down then i don't feel well because i'm on blood pressure medication and i had ptsd i had i called Absolutely. up my counselor my therapist immediately i told my husband i literally have felt at 11 a.m i was like i don't feel good do i need a glass of wine what do i need my mind started thinking like i don't feel well yeah. like I, it wasn't me and when i thought of what happened in that hospital i would just burst into tears i was uncontrollably crying i just couldn't stop it so i knew i had to talk to my counselor i had to talk to a therapist i had to call her up mm -hmm. and i hadn't talked to her since like you know q2 like earlier in my pregnancy and tell her what's going on and i was experiencing ptsd from that experience alone so yeah, that's what ignited me to start the whole Be Empowered Mama and mm. to bring those things about because it, oof, I'm, I still, I'm still freaked out. I think it's going to still do this for the rest of my life. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's scary because it is like what you said. Like it's, you just gave birth, you have hormones going on and 
you are told that, you know, your life could have drastically, you possibly couldn't have been here after having just given life. And we're in a pandemic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like all of these external factors in the world is going on in the midst of it. And just like quick decisions and, and changes, all of the unexpected in your brain having to process all of that information is a lot. And it's, and I think that the the biggest thing that just struck me as you told me, because it even like made me a little bit emotional just hearing it and hearing you say how you really had to advocate for yourself. I think it is such a blessing that you challenged like every single way that came, you challenged them and you spoke up and you weren't just taking what they said because you saved your life, period. <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 literally it wasn't the doctors the people who are meant to save our lives yeah it's up to and oh gosh and that's what ignited the be empowered mama because you have to be empowered you have to be a self-advocate for yourself you have to be around people who are going to advocate but most importantly if all of them fail you have to do it yeah. because if i didn't do it she was gonna send me home gonna send she was home. like going home yeah. And I said, no, you're there right. wrong. And just think about the moms who did go home, mm -hmm. like some moms who did not make it. Mm -hmm. We've seen so many stories that just consistently come up mm -hmm. with preeclampsia. That's what's killing us. Right. Preeclampsia is the thing that's are taking our moms out because it everything's failing within. Yeah. My liver enzymes were super high, all of those things. And she's like, yeah, like, and you can tell she had her just like it was a pivotal moment right then for her. Like maybe my CNAs aren't doing the right thing. Cause you can see it in her face. She took her mask off. Her mask was not supposed to be off. You right. know, we're in COVID. When she seen it do it, she released it slow, dropped it, took her mask down, looked me right in my face and said, you were right. And I'm like, I told you. I said, her said that. I was like, I told you. And she's like, all right, yeah. Um, and she started processing, processing. You could tell she was thinking and she put her mask back and she stepped back and she leaned on the wall and she just looked around and looked at her feet and she said, okay, yeah, we're going to do. And I knew she was lady that could have cost me my life. Yeah. If absolutely. I didn't sit there and tell you, no, yeah, yeah you're going to take it then. Why don't you, you test it out? If right. I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's okay. I'm okay to be wrong. Right. One thing we have to know, it's okay. I'd rather be right. uh, wrong right. than sorry later. Yeah. <laughs> and you also pay attention to your symptoms. And being at home and like acknowledging like something's not right, not just playing it to the left of, oh, well, maybe I'm tired or, you know, maybe I haven't got enough rest or maybe, you know, pushing that baby out took a toll on me, but to really like acknowledge. And I think that oftentimes we can do that, especially just as black women. We're so strong. There's so much going on. You know, we got to do this. We got to get a handle of this. But no, like if any symptoms come up, being able to recognize it, check in it is, is OK to be wrong and allowing a doctor to check in on you. And also, I, I say all of this not to point at, paint a picture as if like physicians are the bad people. I That's know. not what it is because there are some great doctors out there, but there's also some not great doctors out there. And it's just being mindful. There are some people who are in the profession who do have these preconceived ideas or whatever it is and don't treat patients as they should or who are burnt out or who don't have good bedside manner or who overlook things because they just are hurting patients in and out in and out all day and it's just a number and that's not the doctor that you want you want the doctor who's going to listen to you who's going to sit down and answer your questions and make you feel welcome because this is an experience you're giving life 
It's a big yes. deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. So tell One us of the what... greatest experiences of your life. Yeah. You're giving life. And you want that. I don't want any mamas to settle. Like, to settle and not have the experience that you want. Like, you deserve that. Like, you, this is the most vulnerable you'll ever be. As mm-hmm. strong as we're, we are honestly painting the picture of to, to be. No, this is the time you still, you still have your strength because we naturally, as Black women, are strong. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. It's just what we were born into. However, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to want to feel taken care of. Yeah. It's okay to have that experience that you've dreamed about because it should indeed be that. And there are doctors. I do have girlfriends who've had that experience and who've had doctors who are amazing up yeah. north, all around. I don't know if it's a southern thing. Sometimes I try to think like, is it here? No, it just depends on the doctor. On That's the doctor. just what it is. It is. It's universal, mm-hmm. wherever it is. And they've had that lovely experience. So you just do your research and you read those reviews. I'm mm-hmm. on Zoom doc i read everything whatever that doctor is on remember if it's i say that too if there's if there's smoke there's a fire if you do see that everyone's saying this doctor's bedside manner is this she didn't care she didn't check in it's a fire somewhere there so you 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 gotta pay attention yeah before we wrap up tell us more about be empowered mama Yes. Okay. So this is my new baby, right? Zachary's my baby. But this is my other baby that honestly, like I said before, came from, you know, me going through that traumatic experience and me not wanting any other moms to go through it. And granted, yes, you'll have your doctor, you find one that you absolutely love, but it's really up to you to take charge of your own pregnancy and your postpartum care, that dreaded fourth trimester that no one talks about that is there. And except for, I feel like I hear a lot about postpartum anxiety and mm. the depression piece, but other things like your health and saving your own life. So to be a power mama, we're going to have resources for you where it will be trainings that you can be able to go through virtually right at home, or you can be able to listen to on what to look out for the real trainings from some daddy. So guess what? I pulled my husband in daddy doula. He's jumping in to give some feedback and to give, you know, resources for the fathers out there who just really don't know what to do besides those things that the moms tell you do this. You need to go do that. He's going to come in and do that, but really be a one-stop shop where you can get trainings. You can get empowered. You can be able to get all the great checklists of things that you're going to actually really need from not only, of course, not just myself, I'm just a first time mom, but I've surveyed so many moms to just really come to a consensus of what are we actually using? Okay. Those cute robes and stuff is cool, but do you really know you need this instead of just necessarily that? (laughs) To be honest, you don't even end up wearing that stuff. I had bags and bags of stuff the way you feel after delivery, trust me, you, you want whatever you can dirty up and throw away, <laughs> not your good stuff, all yeah, right? Yeah. So we talk about those things, but really having resources and a community of women to be able to stay connected to throughout your pregnancy and beyond. So that's what the Be My Power Mama piece is. It's so cool. Yay. I'm very, very just like passionate about that's it. Awesome. And um, I mean, for all the things I've done, this is probably the most passionate I am about something because I want to make sure I'm saving lives. My good friend she had her baby five weeks after me and me telling her what happened my story postpartum and what to look out for do you not know she called me on friday and she said i'm feeling like i got a little headache what do you think i should do what do you think you should do call your doctor now told her to do exactly that she had postpartum preeclampsia and she said brandy if i hadn't talked to you about what you experienced 
I don't know what could have happened. And her baby, her baby was literally six days old. Mm. He was only six days. Mm -hmm. And she went into the hospital and she was there for two days and experienced it. She didn't get to experience the headache pieces, me, but she had to go through the magnesium, all of that. And she said, thank God you told me these things because what would have I done? And that right there, just, just sick, just totally, just honestly put the, just the, just the fork in it for me to say, God, I have to do this. Yeah. I want to make sure all women are okay. I want to make sure that we are empowered. I want to make sure you're in that office and you're owning it, owning your pregnancy, because this is the most vulnerable time in your life, but you should still feel empowered and not dependent on one person just to be able to get you through. So we've got a lot of I goodies, okay? we got our IG popping. Yay. We're going to have stories from women who've what, what is the IG? Like, how can people find you? Okay, so everyone can find me at Be Empower Mama. So it's B E E, of course, like B Bumblebee, because I'm thinking of moms. We're all mama bees yeah. and we're queen bees because what do we do? We reproduce, we run things. Without us, there will be nothing else. So it is B E E Empowered Mama, M A M A. So that's what you can find us on IG and on Facebook mm. and so much more to be released. I am so excited. And of course, you can check me out on IG. I'm mm-hmm. Me Speaks on there too. So I'm excited to connect with everyone, and we're going to do real, raw, unedited, no fluff, none of that. We're getting straight to the point of really helping women and providing those resources. So I'm excited. I'm excited. That's amazing. (laughs) So needed. So I love it. That is really, really great. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy, and I'm so glad that I had you on the show to even talk about postpartum preeclampsia. And to provide like an additional resource for women to just become educated, know more how to advocate, how to research, how to look out for different signs that their bodies may be telling them. And that you are in this birthing community, not just as a mother, but also sharing in your experience and what you know and empowering others. That's great. Thank you so much. This is so fun. So thank you for being on the show. I'm going to put all of your contact info in the show notes for everybody to check out and follow you and check in and everything that you're doing and keep on pushing. (laughs) I will. Thank you, Keisha. This was awesome. Thank you. Will you catch me when I'm falling? And don't they let me when I fall down?